0: Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network, part of Underground Sports Philadelphia. You can find all things Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. You are listening to Process Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five star rating, and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Process Potables. For news, Info on breweries we've worked with and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Process Potables is on tap, but first, our friends in the presence of wolves. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Process Potables, episode number fifty-seven. This episode is titled "Take That Shit Off Them Windows." Take it off. And in parentheses, you ain't gonna need it tonight. <laughs> a uh, great line we got from Charles Barkley on tonight's the uh, episode six of The Last Dance. Episodes five and six aired tonight. We will go into them as well as other things. Please make sure that you subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and write a review on Apple Podcasts. We are at ninety-six. Out of 100, we Four would like away. to get to 100. Uh, Steve, you told me that you think there may be a few that that we'll keep an eye so. on for tomorrow. So maybe tomorrow we get there. Really appreciate everybody who's done it so far. So uh, if you haven't yet and you can, we would appreciate it. Social media, everything. untapped, Twitter, Instagram, everything. You can find us at Process Potables. And anything else you are looking for related to our content, you can find it at www.processpotables.com. Don't forget to check out this week's Powerbombs and Potables episode as well. That should be up late tonight or early tomorrow, recapping the last week in pro wrestling television hosted by our friend and engineer, Corey Oates. Make sure you check that out. He's been doing a great job keeping the wrestling content going as it is the only thing really happening in sports yeah, as of now. Uh, and, you know, through all the travel bans and quarantines and social distancing and whatnot, you know, they've already gone through What appears to be the worst stage for them, which is when it appeared that most of the companies weren't going to have anywhere to shoot or work or anything, but that's already been resolved for them. So, uh, As opposed to other things, which we will get into with our mailbag this week, wrestling seems to be a full go and not slowing down really here due to the quarantine. So again, anybody who's interested in that, check out our friend Corey on the Power Bombs and Potables podcast part of our podcast, Potables Network. Steve, Sunday night, just got through two more episodes. We are now 60% way of the way through the last dance. How are you feeling so far? How are you feeling in general? And, uh, you know, what
1: what were your thoughts on tonight's episodes before we really deep dive into it? So I really enjoyed it, and... I, I kept saying to myself, they're going to have a really hard time following up with the Dennis Rodman episode, because we both kind of agreed that the episode after was a little bit of a lull, like, okay, like not as great, but th- this had a lot of uh, gold in it as well. A lot, of, a lot of Charles Barkley, Team USA stuff, the, the gambling thing finally came up, so th- there, there's a lot to dive in here.
0: Yeah, I thought that the fourth episode was the weakest one so far, and I think I still kind of stand by that. These two are pretty good. I don't think they were able to do the same justice to this story that the the first three did. But when there are these big character profiles of the big three that you remember yeah. from that era, and Jordan Pippen and Rodman, then you kind of understand that you know after that maybe you know they they might struggle for a little bit for consistency in the story they're they're trying to tell. I thought that this episode, these episodes specifically, were. The the issue I had with them the most was just the timeline jumping. They've done a lot of that in this series so far, in a series that was really supposed to be based off of that final year. And I get why the past is important and all the elements coming together and creating this very, very particular situation with everybody essentially being, you know, a a lame duck, so to speak, going into that year. But, you know, I, I, I guess I just didn't know this was going to be just like a full fledged Bulls documentary documentary for basically like a 14 year period so to speak which is fine but i kind of just expected more focus on that final year and these two episodes specifically i thought just jumped around kind of a lot in yeah. in, in a couple scenarios that it wasn't necessarily
1: needed sometimes like i i always love the team usa stories and stuff but there's already that was the
0: best part of either episode tonight yes, right okay, it was the best part then.
1: however there's already a, do- a really great documentary on that um on NBA TV, I don't know if they're the ones that actually produce it or whatnot, but I highly, highly recommend that if you haven't seen it so far. I think it's just called like the Dream Team or oh, something okay. generic like that. But the Last Dance, like to me, it's just a little misleading for the reasons you just said. I'm expecting okay, this is just going to be about the final year, the final ride, and but jumping back and forth from the future and past, it almost felt like a lost episode for a moment, you know. I don't know, like as much as I love the you know dream team concepts and stories, like I don't know how much relevance that really has into this final season. So,
0: yeah, you you make a great point, and we'll get more into into the episode kind of layer by layer as they go through it. First, I want to start off with a new segment. We're introducing across the Podcast Fiddles Network, and that is Quick Sips. We're going to hit you with some of the news that's coming out and some of the things that we want to talk about in this episode, as well as just, you know, random things we've come across that may interest uh, our general audience, you know, Sixers, Sixers Twitter, basketball fans, beer fans, anything like that. So we're going to start off here with what we're drinking. We have a Hoptimus Prime from Bout the Hops Brewery in Marlton, one of their flagship beers. It is a New England IPA. A lot of flavor to this one. Really, really good. One of their staple beers, as they told us on their interview with us when we were there uh, about two months ago, I want to say at this point. Uh, I think that was the last place we, we were before all of this, right? Yeah, it sounds right. It's
1: either two months or two years ago. No, I lost mm-hmm. count of yeah. all time. Yeah, True. I don't even
0: know what day. I, I know it's Sunday because of the last dance, so it's the only That's day of the it. week that I have any idea what's going on. Very delicious beer. I want to shout them out. And also, uh, they just re-released the El Jefe Jalapeno, which Mm. was, like, all of our favorites when we were there. A beer that has, like, notes of vanilla but notes of jalapeno as well. And we're both, you know, big spice guys. But, in the beer world it's it's been pretty pretty you know when you say a lot of things to be hit and miss it's been a lot of misses as far as spice and beer goes. Yeah. most of them are pretty unbearable they they don't taste good, they just burn there there's no joy to that. This is really the the best beer I've had that had kick in it but also had a ton of flavor was still you know palatable to drink, even my wife was able to drink it, which tells you all you need yeah. to know about it as a beer that like you know. Like, I'll pretty much drink anything. Like, if you, you know, give me rubbing alcohol, <laughs> might might get there, at least for, for the Just bit. no spice in it. Yeah, well, there's or some Holocaine, burn, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, my, my wife was a big fan of it as well. Again, that vanilla really helps level it out. So, I'm so glad that beer is back. I'm definitely going to go pick it up. Uh, if you're into like new england i p a s they have they usually have a couple they have this, and I forget what the other one is called, but it's they're right this is the fourth beer on the list. the third one's a uh a new England i p a as well they usually have at least two if not three or four options and again that uh el jefe jalapeno yeah the uh vanilla and jalapeno beer is i th- i think it's available now i think like it might have just came out Friday so uh get out to bout the hops in marlton right off seventy three it's in like a uh industrial complex like right behind the cracker barrel It's easy to miss yeah yeah it's a little bit hard to find but if you're looking for it you'll find it no problem so a big shout out to them and thanks for the optimus prime cheers steve we've announced this a couple times but just want to make sure if anybody's missed it as far as we know right now ac beer fest is still on for the rescheduled date of august 7th and august 8th with the same lineups to make sure that you continue to know what's going on with the atlantic city beer and music festival which we will be at On the podcast row. Make sure that you're following them on social media at AC Beerfest. In some Sixers news, this is, uh, I think this happened on Thursday, but Mark Eversley, who was the Sixers senior VP of player personnel, was named the Chicago Bulls general manager. He is the first African American general manager the Bulls have ever, ever had in their franchise. And, uh, Eversley's, you know, line of work goes from working with Brian Colangelo in Toronto, uh, previously working with the Wizards and then in his position with the Sixers, uh, initially just as vice president of player personnel, and then eventually becoming senior vice president of player personnel. The, if you've read tanking, uh, tanking to the top, or, you know, just if you follow general Sixers coverage, it's very clear that not all the roles in the front office are are really that well identified or or chiseled out, so to speak, uh, and that comes from multiple sources. But including Jimmy Butler. But from all accounts, it seems like Mark Eversley was a pretty well respected guy. Um, it seemed like you know he was the guy that would have been targeted by anybody. We had apparently heard, I believe, you know maybe a month or so ago, right as the season was looking to start slowing down due to the virus that there were rumors of maybe the Knicks being kind of interested in Elton Brand, but I never really knew how legitimate that was. But Eversley seemed to be the guy that uh, was pegged to probably be on the move at some point. And, you know, the Chicago Bulls, uh, you know, as as we're watching with this last dance series is, you know, a well-respected franchise, a, a historic franchise. And, right now is in a in a serious need of a rebuild and Eversley has obviously been in situations like that is known for being a pretty good talent evaluator uh I was reading an article on him today in prepping for this about how he was uh one of the big proponents of, of Paul George in in the draft year that he came out when he went like 10th and he oh, really? and, and, and he was a Oof. very strong advocate for for Paul George being you know like a top tier player and, and had a good read on him so that's one of his kind of claims of fame was, was being a guy who was ahead of the curve on Paul George, uh, who obviously turned out to be the best player of his draft class. So he does have a track record that speaks for him. Uh, Steve, any thoughts on the Sixers losing a guy like Eversley or thoughts on the Bulls getting a guy like that after, you know, what? I mean, they've gone through, what, at 20 years of gar packs at this point?
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's really hard to say because I feel that he was definitely one of the favorites for the GM job after Colangelo got fired. And then out of the blue, it's just like, Hey, here's Elton brand. But Elton brand, like we still don't really know his role and how much power exactly he has because they still have all of Colangelo's guys there, you know, reading up on Eversley as well. He seems like a very well-regarded smart guy. And yes, you could say he was mentored by by uh, Brian Colangelo and everything, but I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to adopt all the, the bad draft history or the bad contracts Colangelo given out. So it'll be really interesting, uh, you know, to see going forward. Does that mean Elton Brand gets more power, you know, or more saying things? I, I don't know. And because that's one less Colangelo guy in our front office, but even to this day with things out of Sanso, no one still knows who exactly who has power to final say or things in the Sixers front office, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, it remains to be seen how, how this will really impact that. Uh, speaking of Elton Brand, so this Tuesday, May 5th, Elton Brand is going to be participating in a virtual town hall with Society 76 members, uh, answering questions that were also provided by Society 76 members. They had up until, I believe, midnight this past Thursday to submit them. I forget the day I got the email. I want to say I got it Monday or Tuesday. So they didn't give much time. But apparently, you know, uh, Sixers season ticket holders and members of Society 76 are able to submit questions out on brand. We'll see what kind of weird shit he gets or, you know, how much they filter that out. If he's only going to answer status quo kind of stuff. They still haven't released how you're able to watch it. So I I don't know where exactly it will be. Uh, Apparently that info is still to come. So Uh, If it's available to everybody, then we'll make sure to try and find out, you know, what the situation is with that. And if it's something that, you know, isn't via like a season ticket holder account information or anything, then we'll make sure to get that out uh, so anybody who's interested in that can see it. And lastly, just wanted to shout out, you know, somebody I've been following for a long time as a Sixers fan and a lot of Sixers fans and Sixers Twitter people will be familiar with is uh, Jackson Frank, who's formerly of Liberty Ballers. He started a Patreon for his NBA draft coverage. Uh, I think you can subscribe for as low as, like, $3 a month. Um, and you get, like, video breakdowns on players and also, like, general NBA coverage and whatnot. Um, Jackson's a really good guy, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, does all, just on his, you know, Twitter for free, does tons of video breakdowns, college guys already and stuff. So th- think that's worth checking out. So you can go to patreon.com slash jackfrank underscore jjf. Uh, if you're interested in that, that Jack Frank underscore JDF is also his Twitter handle. If you're not already following Jackson, then I highly recommend that. We're going to move on from quick steps and move into our mailbag. We got a couple uh, questions sent to us this week, so before we get into the last dance, we'll try and bang these out as quickly as possible. So the first one comes from a uh, a longtime friend of mine, Rosemary. Uh, she met her in a uh, Philly well a sports like Facebook group. Uh, that you know a a good amount of my friends weirdly are from now sometimes the internet can be a very terrible place but sometimes you meet some good people can bring people together Uh, rosemary's definitely one of them i know she's a listener so thanks a lot we appreciate it her question to us was thoughts on the various seasons that are on hold should they plan to play without fans or just chalk it up at this point the nfl is planning full steam ahead from various reports agree or disagree with their plan So there's a couple things to that. So I I think easiest thing, let's start with, you know, hockey and basketball. Pretty similar season timeline. Both got cut off right toward the end of their regular season. What are your thoughts as we stand today on whether they should continue the season at some point or not, if you think they will or not, and, you know, uh, make just like a
1: a light idea of what that kind of looks like if it happens? it's tough because i know we're all desperate to have sports back and try to get back to some level of normalcy before all this happened i don't think it's a good idea i just i don't know i'm kind of of the mindset where it seems like everyone's kind of r- rushing back into things i understand that you know the economy and you know people getting back to work that's all important but it's just it seems like the infrastructure we're not ready to test thousands of people they just you know nba players and There's definitely going to be a big fallout when all these tests suddenly become available for players and refs and staff. Um, You know, it goes beyond the ten people that are playing on the court. Like there's just there are so many possibilities and things that can happen. So I personally don't think it will happen. I I mean, I would like to see it. I kind at this point, I'm kind of having doubts that they'll resume because it's just before they get everything in place, it's probably. whole two or three months before they start up again you're gonna need some sort of mini camp or short uh training camp period to get everyone back into shape and I, I just think at some point they're prowling to the chalk up to a loss it seems like a lot of the players are in favor of doing it right now so
0: yeah I will say that I am someone on on the more cautious side of this whole thing and you know I've gotten into it with some people who feel the other way but I'm not here to, to get into necessarily that argument here so what I'll say is from a purely logistical standpoint and and I shared a really good article I believe it's from Sports Illustrated on this online probably about three weeks ago at this point that just explained the difficulty of trying to get any of these things back up in a period that is prior to it basically being like Completely you know eradicated, which is the idea like you said this doesn't come down to just getting you know a five on five game on a court you've got the entire team you've got coaching staffs, you have officials, you have statisticians you have you know like you're at least going to have like a light camera crew um, you need to have people that get you know these buildings or facilities ready you have the team's training staffs like you were talking bare minimum a few hundred people that need to be involved to make this kind of thing work. Then you need to have those few hundred people all quarantined in one place, yeah. which is difficult enough in itself. And there become issues with endorsements. There become issues with contracts. There becomes issues with policing these people because now you're at the point where, you know, let's say they do it in Vegas. You're going to send all these people to Vegas. You're going to put them in a bubble and you're going to say, you can't go out at night. Can't see your family. You, you <laughs> can't go on Tinder. Yeah. You can't go to eat you know people that are going to deliver food how is that going to work or you know and and what if they're sick and, in, and and this virus gets into any of these scenarios and the whole thing is done yeah like the risk versus reward just does not exist and like you said then we get to the sports aspect of it you need to get everybody back into shape which means a mini camp then you have to figure out, do we finish the regular season? Do we just go to the playoffs, which is like a whole conflict of interest because there are teams that could still – could have had the chance to change the the tides. Yeah. And they lose that opportunity. And, and is that fair or not? Or do you let everybody in? And then that's a whole mess. And all these things are just going to put asterisks on what happened anyway. Exactly. So do I think that they'll do it? I'm still – it seems like they want to so bad – that I have a hard time thinking they don't, but the logistical part to me, and just like the common sense part to me, says that despite their best efforts, they decide to shut it down because I saw something this week that they were uh, at least the NHL, I believe, and maybe the NBA as well. At least the NHL had like come out and said that like they're willing to push their regular season back to like December, right, to accommodate for this season needing to go into maybe like August, but. At this point, we're now in May, and these wheels aren't turning. Yeah. So you figure there's no way that any of these leagues are getting up into a mini-camp-type scenario and getting guys even into playing shape until, best case, beginning of June. Yeah. And even that's probably a stretch based on, again, all the logistical things that go into it. As far as the NFL is concerned, I think you can probably get by at least doing all of the things they do in their, like, preseason and offseason, like getting those things approved in some way, like, how most of those teams do, like, you know, their mini camp or, or training camp or whatever, and it doesn't seem like there's that much interaction from outside sources and stuff. Like, you can restrict the media or not have the media come. You can probably limit if most of them seem like they've moved to being closed anyway on, like, the Eagles days in Lehigh. where yeah. You know, you had hundreds and thousands of people going up to check it out. Like, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case anymore. For a team like the Eagles, if they're going to do it at NovaCare, you know, do I think that they can competently probably get them in and out of there every day – and and do the same things we're doing now to to try and uh, stave off any kind of infection or anyone getting the virus or anything probably but then when it comes to lo- the logistics of putting on the season again that's where I, I don't know so i at least think the nfl is in the best position that they they can buy themselves time because i think they can do everything up until you know potentially even playing preseason games to the regular season and do it during this period it's the regular season part that becomes the challenge i think so i think the nfl is going to do everything they can to keep things normal you know up through august and then in august they're gonna have to figure out where we're at so they have you know a good three months to really buy themselves some time and hope that this starts to fade more and more
1: it's going to be interesting too because i haven't really seen any articles about this or too much and i wonder if that's By design, but they talked about how in China when they restarted their professional basketball league, they almost kind of had like a second wave of the virus because they kind of rushed back into things that didn't have a plan. Um, Another thing to look into too, if if anyone follows soccer, I know in Germany, I think this week like player like teams are actually going to start. Training again, and they're hoping to start the season back at the uh, end of May. The only reason I bring that up is because maybe whatever they do could be kind of a template, like uh, NBA, NHL, and any other leagues can kind of sort of follow. They do have the advantage of they have a much better control rate of the virus, and as far as testing, they seem to be ahead of any other country. So they do have that luxury, but it'll be interesting because I know with the NBA, they were really the first league to just suspend everything and then it's just it was a domino effect so i wonder if i'm sure there's thanks Rudy Gobert. yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 still his fault let's not forget that so and baseball i have no idea i mean yeah.
0: like they, I, they didn't even finish spring training i don't know if they feel the need that they have to reset that if they i've heard the them condensing to like their their uh, spring training divisions or something. I saw another thing where apparently they proposed to just put, like, ten teams in three divisions. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know if that's a quarantine it's thing
1: cr- or just a, a baseball thing. It's crazy. Baseball is really interesting with how the, the ideas that are out there, like, apparently something leaked where they were basically going to have the um, the spring training, like, the Grapefruit League and um, the Cactus League. Like, that's just going to be the league. That, yeah, for just, that's what I was saying. Yeah, for just this year, and it would be – I don't know. It would be kind of cool for just one year with an asterisk, whatever you want to refer to as. If you know, we play in the same division as the Yankees and the Red Sox. Like it'd be different, but you know, baseball is the one sport where the just get up in arms without any uh, any uh, changes at all. So
0: yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I'm fine if they just make it the East Central and West for baseball entirely, and there's no NLAL thing anymore. And then also it's DH for everybody. Yeah. That, that's where I'm at with it. How that pertains to quarantine, I don't know. But that's yeah. what I think baseball should do. Armani. Oh. Uh, our, our Clemson boy, Armani, <laughs> asked us, if you were to buy a drink for your favorite player or celebrity and you had to impress them, which drink would you order? So I think he worded this a little confusing because at first it sounds like you're buying them a drink, but then it sounds like you're ordering yourself a drink to look cool. Hmm. So I think we have to answer both. So, Steve. First, I need you to name, you know, the player or celebrity that you would buy a drink for and what drink would you buy them? And then subsequently, if you saw them at a bar and they were watching you and you thought they were going to judge what you ordered, what do you
1: order to look cool? OK, so the athlete that I've, I've and I've said this before, that I've always want to have a drink with is definitely Charles Barkley, okay. just because he's he's that one guy that, you know, he has this reputation that precedes him being you know on and off the court. But. A lot of people I've known and then people, um, broadcasters, journalists, they all say that he's like one of the just like coolest guys to hang out with and have a beer. And and I would just get him like a Coors Light or something. He doesn't strike me as, you know, a craft beer guy. No, not at all. So just. Which is okay. That's fine. That's fine. You know, so I would have a Bud or Coors Light, whatever, Charles Barkley. But for me to look to impress someone, it definitely would have to be a really good Scotch whiskey. Like you know, Lagavulin or even something that's probably way more expensive, something I can't afford and something I probably couldn't even pronounce. So that that, that Scotch is definitely a good go to as far as something to you know, you want to impress someone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna keep it easy here. I mean, I'm gonna pick Joel Embiid because we're a goddamn Sixers podcast, and obviously, I'm gonna order that man a Shirley Temple. Oh yeah, and you everybody knows that. But I mean, you know, these are just the facts. Now. What am I going to order that seems impressive to him? Hmm. I don't know. I I mean, I don't really care, to to be honest with you, about impressing anybody when I drink, if if that hasn't been clear. So, you know, I want to play this part, but I'm not ordering like a a Cosmo to impress anybody. So, I mean... I'd be willing to order an old fashioned. So you see you get you get the cherry in there, you get the orange slice in there. So like it looks like an impressive drink. You get the big you get like the big ice sphere, but you're still basically drinking bourbon mm, okay. or anything. So you know yeah. it, it shows class, but you're also ordering off the cocktail menu. You're not going up there and just ordering, you know, straight booze or whatever. You see
1: you, you have a you have a uh, refined palate. If it was Embiid, I would definitely go like Apple teeny extra on the apple. I, I feel like or that one episode of uh, How I Met Your Mother, Jason Segel's uh, character—they make fun of him for like an all the girly drinks. Like I feel like Embiid's a girly, the girly drink guy. For sure, that's yeah. I mean.
0: I, I order him the Shirley Temple, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't really want an apple tea. I'm sorry. No. Like I, if that's what I have to order to impress Joe Embiid, then maybe we're just not meant to be friends. And <laughs> that hurts. It really hurts. But the last one comes from our friend Busby. All right, who, who sent got. us while we were watching The Last Dance. Out of all the great teams in the 90s, which team suffered the most from Jordan and the Bulls being around? Whose legacy suffered more? Teams like Houston, Utah, Seattle, New York. We got a good glimpse of a lot of teams that had to deal with that tonight. Uh, you know, what do you think is the team that that you know, had, had the most
1: to lose because of Jordan and the Bulls being around? I want to say probably it's it's got to be the Jazz. At first, I wanted to say Houston, but they did win the two years between uh the Bulls uh two three Pete. So I mean Carl Malone who, who's really good and John Sock, like that that was a really good team and people are gonna forget how good they were and how close they came off to uh came to knocking off Jordan and the Bulls and it just it just didn't happen. And I just think unfortunately they're they're a really, really great team and they're just gonna be kind of forgotten about a little bit. Maybe the last stance kind of makes sure that doesn't happen, but The Jazz would be my
0: answer as well. But since you said it, I'm going to try and go another way. And here's something that's interesting that I don't know if it's talked about enough. But I wonder if there's no Jordan and a Shaq and Penny Hardaway team Mm. gets to the finals and wins, which I confidently believe they would have done at least once if there's no Jordan and the Bulls. If Shaq even goes to the Lakers. Yeah. Like if he has tremendous success in Orlando, if they win one, maybe two. He he knows he has a, a, a dynamic with a guy like Penny Hardaway, who was a tremendously talented player. Oh, yeah. Obviously dealt with injuries and whatnot, but was, was a, a huge star, you know, growing up to me. And they a, had Horace a, Grant. Was a guy that I was a huge fan of, exactly. That, you know, I think that they suffered a lot as well, and I and I truly wonder if that, you know... Uh, a team like Jordan and the Bulls is the reason that you know guys in the East kind of shook up where they were and whatnot. Was, yeah. It was almost to avoid dealing with that and to put themselves in better situations to be able to compete at that level and, and focus on winning championships, which obviously worked out for Shaq in the end, going on to the Lakers and being paired with Kobe Bryant, and his history tells that story. But yeah, the the Jazz, I think, are the clear answer, but the Orlando team, I think, is interesting to me. You know, Houston obviously got there too, so I I don't think that that really matters as much. Would they have won more without it? I don't know. They it's not like they were in the East. Yeah, you never saw them again any of the years that Jordan was around. So, you know, I wouldn't have them up there. Uh, the Knicks would obviously be up there, but I don't believe that they were ever really that good. No, yeah. And then I guess you could say that Suns team as well because Barkley obviously. As we saw in the last dance, you know, wins the MVP that year, was playing at at an elite level, was able to take two games from the Bulls in the finals. Uh, You know, you'd think that maybe they could have made a little bit of noise had it not been for them. But yeah, that was it uh, for the mailbag questions. We appreciate everybody sending them in and uh, please continue to do so. We'll make sure to get to them as we can through the episodes. We're going to move into the last dance. Who's the next person you know who will be buying or selling a home? Have them contact the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway for the most trusted process when it comes to real estate in New Jersey. Call today, 856-904-5636. That's 856-904-5636. And mention Process Potables for exclusive savings. So episode five was dedicated to Kobe Bryant. Oh, man. Uh, This was really the first time that this really hit since you know at least since basketball got put on hold and i think that that while we all miss basketball miss sports and that has been difficult i think it did take things like kobe bryant's passing off our minds a little bit as as you know not in a great way with all the things going on in the world but yeah. still you know distractions nonetheless and then it, it didn't seem like i guess i i kind of give them credit for this in a way they didn't need to and maybe in a way they didn't want to but um at the same time I, it didn't seem like it was very heavily advertised that they were going to either dedicate that episode to Kobe or that, you know, how much content was really going to be directed to the Kobe and MJ parallels. And, you know, kudos to them for not trying to milk the, yeah, the, the hell out I'd of that. Yeah, i definitely give them credit for now, that. Not that they need to because everybody's watching this series right now because the ratings have been good and, and what else are we doing? But, you know, good on them. The only thing I saw about it all week was I saw ESPN, I think, tweeted, like, a, a picture of... Uh, like, Jordan and Kobe, like, both in, like, a spotlight or something, which really didn't tell you much, but gave you the idea. And then I think you said you, you would seen like one thing today. Yeah. Or it wasn't even until I, like, said something that you really had any idea.
1: Yeah, you said something to me, and then I went on Facebook, and they said, oh, did you know uh, tonight's episode? So Facebook's the- reading our conversation. Yeah, exactly. Fucking scumbags. That's what exactly happened. <laughs> All right, well. So, they start
0: off with that. They're talking about the All-Star game. Is that Kobe's rookie year? Uh, yeah, it had a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Kobe's rookie year. They said he, he you know, he was the youngest guy to have played in the All-Star game. That was like 19 19, and a half. yeah. But it starts off with that. It uh, moves on to what you know they figured was going to be Jordan's final game at Madison Square Garden being that everyone knew he was done obviously that wasn't the case since he came back with the Wizards but at that time that's what they thought and then we get into one of the more interesting things in this series that wasn't just like you know the backstory of one guy which is the story of Jordan and Nike and Air Jordan becoming a thing which which I found very interesting and although I'm not necessarily like a sneakerhead guy yeah. Got a lot of those friends on, on Twitter and, and on social media and whatnot, and I saw a lot of them, you know, really getting hype. And this was an episode for all, for all the sneakerheads who, obviously, you know, Michael Jordan is a huge reason why that's even a culture now yeah. at this point and, and his shoes above, you know, mostly all else's. I'd say, like, the only thing I feel like, and, you know, I, I could be wrong and not my, uh, you know, area of expertise here, but I would say the only thing that I've really recognized at any point in my life, other than Jordan's drawing this kind of. Attention has been like Yeezys. I would say <laughs> I would say that's the the only thing that I've seen possibly parallel to them, and and I don't think it's that close based on mm, you know my my no. my objectives of just like people's obsession over it. But I would say that they're the only one that I think could even you know try to have a seat at the
1: table, dude. And I just couldn't fathom. It's just like wait, Nike only made track shoes. Like the, they were like a nobody, this small company that just no other company or competitor was taken serious. I was like, wait, what? Like, I honestly had no clue because, I mean, thinking back to my childhood and my earliest possible memory, it's just, like, the first shoes I ever wanted were Jordans and and Nikes were just always the shoes you'd won. Like, it's just – I and I never really grew up thinking, like, I really like Nikes, but Converses are cool too. Like, I never – you know, maybe in high school, my uh, Hot Topic face, I wanted Converse's at that point. But uh, it's just ironic because then uh, Nike years later bought them out. So I, I honestly didn't know that. I found that really fascinating. Yeah,
0: I mean, my my emo upbringing uh, <laughs> clearly drove me in, in the Converse direction, whether that was Weapons or Chuck Taylors. Uh, I had several pairs of both, so I, I can speak to that to some extent. I wasn't really, uh, I, I've never really been an Air Jordan guy. Like, I love how they look. They look stupid on me, yeah, um, they're definitely not meant for short guys, and then, as I got older, I also realized they're not really meant for fat guys, so uh <laughs> I'm like you know batting a thousand on 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 qualifiers that I probably don't need to buy Air Jordans, but obviously, like the look is amazing. we saw him. Uh, in this, when they're talking about that year that he brought back, like the shoes he he wore in eighty four, eighty five, and they were talking about those Jordan ones, and like those are just like iconic shoes. They 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 showed the game where you know he plays in them, and he said his foot was bleeding because yeah. they just you know they're not really the the best basketball shoes, so to speak. But he's having a good game, and they look sick as hell. And listen, like while I I won't pretend to be the shoe guy, I absolutely am the hey like. This looks good, and though even though I'm in pain, like, one, like, I'm killing it right now, and two, like, I look good, so, you know, that's fine if my foot's bleeding. It's fine if I lose the foot, like, I'm not stopping this role that I'm on. I respect that. Being a stubborn bastard, yeah, I respect that. That is Much my brand. Much respect for so, MJ for that one. So that spoke a lot to me, and the thing that I found the most interesting about that was when they said there's a four-year deal with Nike originally and at, by year four, they wanted to have sold 3 million shoes. And in year one, they sold 126 million. Crazy. What the fuck? Yeah. 126 million in one year. And we're talking like 1984, 85? Yeah. Or 85, 86, whichever one. Like, that's, that's fucking crazy, man. Dude, it's
1: crazy. And it, it, it kind of explains to me. I always thought how, like, Jordan really is Nike. And I'm like, it's really his company to think about. And I just always kind of thought about, like, how did that come to be? And then... You look at the origins of all of this. It's like, okay, well, if it wasn't for Jordan, like Nike wouldn't that's, be the company they are today. That's like, the
0: exact thing that I thought we were getting, and I guess technically we did, but this is not how I expected it to go. Was yeah, like in in a in a time where I assumed that Nike had been around for a little bit and probably had some names, you know, like when did he actually get? the Jordan brand part. Like, when did he get the air Jordan? Cause I assumed that he didn't get to just walk in there and do that. And then you realize, no, he got to just walk in there and yeah. do that. Like, what are the, like, what are the fucking odds of that? It's crazy that like, you know, like all things, all credit given to his greatness that still the cosmos aligned for him in so many ways as we're learning through this yeah, documentary. That's true. Yeah. You know, w- whether that be the fact that he got to go to UNC, whether that be the fact that he's like the first guy to go to Nike, whether it be the fact that, you know, Scottie Pippen, you know, ends up on his lap and you take Dennis Rodman from the Bad Boy Pistons who are who are giving you fits, and it just so happens that the Olympics decide to start having NBA Players play for them during your absolute peak, so that your brand can become a global thing.
1: Like, and and I just love how he uh, had to wear the the American flag o- draped over him, so that would cover the Reebok logo. We call, we call that a 200 IQ play. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how do I beat the system, and nobody can
0: get mad at me? And you know, we're seeing that with some of these dumbass people protesting this virus. Yeah, uh, you know how, how do you how do you cover up anything that's wrong? Just put an American flag over it. Yeah, right. And and no no Secure one can apparently all. say anything to you because you know you're a patriot. They go on to go over the '92 finals against Portland, and I looked to you and said, "Who the fuck was on that team besides Clyde Drexler?" To which you told me Terry Porter, which reminded me of the story that the St. Teresa's Carnival. <laughs> at some point, I won a, a, a Terry Porter poster, and I had no idea who he was, but I hung it up on my wall anyway. Because it was the only basketball poster that I had.
1: And I'm sure they didn't know who he was. Who's they? St. Teresa's. No. Whoever gave you the poster. No, yeah. well,
0: I'm sure my mom probably wanted playing some dumb game. And I was like, hey, basketball, and took that But Yeah. yeah I never knew who he was. On oh, a
1: nice little piece of trivia, I, t- I told you because I always have a tendency when I work, uh, when I watch documentaries, I, I have a tendency to go on like Wikipedia and just, you know, look up things and, uh, Sixers own so, Al-Abdul-Nabi was like the 12th man All on right. that team. I already so. forgot that you had said that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep, so uh, Al-Abdul-Nabi, the only shining spot in that series. And then we get, the, uh, we get the conversation between Jordan and Magic that Jordan basically tells him, like, you know what I'm going to do to this guy, right? And just completely <laughs> shits on Clyde Drexler because yeah. he didn't belong in the conversation with him. And history has proven that to be absolutely true. Yeah. The other thing was right after this, we get, uh, you know, it, it seems like they really went away from the Jerry Krause slander after, like, that first week where they absolutely tried yeah. to bury him. And, you know, I guess good to not beat a, a, a dead fat asshole horse,
1: but... Uh, I would have enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this, I mean, po- at this point, you know, kind of just give us what we want to some extent. But I, <laughs> first, I love when he asks Jordan for the cigar, and Jordan says, no, it'll, it'll stunt, stunt your like growth. growth. But then we get to see Jerry Krause doing the absolute, like, heel manager... Promo thing where he talks about, yeah, the team is good, but the organization is great. The organization yeah. is historic. An organization that literally was a complete loser the entire time it existed until Michael Jordan walked in and made it a winner. Dude, like, do you relax, th-
1: dude? I, I just keep thinking that in today's NBA, I would think like an owner or whoever is above the general would be like, you know what, dude, you need to go. You're the problem. Not MJ, not Phil Jackson, not Scotty. He, I, I don't see how a general manager could act like that. But it, that's 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 what's really captivating about him. He's and Jerry Reisendorf was just like yeah yeah well you know he if you, runs a t- if you have if you can't believe a GM
0: would act like that boy do I have a story for you called Brian Colangelo <laughs> is at one point well, the general manager of the Philadelphia seventy sixers and he has five burner well, Twitter accounts
1: three of his of them were his wife's or Eric Jr. so. They go on to the 92
0: Olympics. It was the first time that it was an all NBA uh, lineup, pretty much. They obviously steamroll everybody. We get some pretty good clips, interviews, and, and a little bit of footage from the infamous, you know, kind of scrimmage game that they had that, that many people have basically referred to as like the greatest basketball game that no one ever saw. Yeah. I would watch a whole episode on that. I'm kind of upset that didn't get more. If you're going to yeah. go down that rabbit hole, and I assume that this is probably you know the uh, the wealthiest source of content for that that is going it to would ever be exist. Yeah, that that's all we got makes me wonder. Like, okay, so is this ever going to come out in like a DVD box set with special features and bonus features? Because... And a Sports
1: Illustrated subscription, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and a uh, and a Bulls
0: replica leather bound book. Yeah, that I owned like three of. I think but if that ever happens and i really hope there's some extra stuff on that because like that was one of the big things this entire series i was looking forward to. Now, I didn't know if they would talk about it at all. Yeah. But if they were then i was kind of hoping that that was going to be a bigger deal.
1: Yeah, and i kind of feel i think probably half of that footage was from that nba.com or nba tv documentary. Uh r- r- just a little sidebar. My favorite thing about that infamous game that no one watched was that Christian uh, Christian Leitner was on the sideline. Like no one wanted them him on a team, and then uh, Larry Bird was just kind of off to the side, like laying on his stomach the entire time, stretching his back because he was like towards the very end, he had a yeah. lot of back issues. So yeah. it was just really five on five, no subs, no no nothing. I, that's just like the little piece of trivia. Was Leitner,
0: just, the only – he was still at Duke then, right? Is he the only college guy on that team? Yeah, he was the
1: only college guy, and I'm because pr- that was ninety two. I. I
0: I think that was his senior
1: year. Yeah, that had a, I'm, pretty I'm pretty sure, sure it's a sure senior year. And a yeah, and yeah. he hits a shot, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. So that, that that's what I had to uh, to figure yeah. out. Um, we get a little more Isaiah Thomas slander. Obviously, <laughs> he wasn't on that team, and you know the the rumors and stories start coming around that that was basically because of Michael Jordan. Even in this, for how candid it's been, and for how much you know people have opened up, um, Jordan's refusing to talk about Isaiah Thomas already at this point. Which is only you know a year or two after dealing with those bad boy pissing teams, so clearly like that that escalated very quickly and didn't resolve, and it appears maybe will never resolve at this point. And oh no, I mean I'm fucking here for it.
1: Yeah, and he, and they even made the point that Barkley, Pippen, like he he had a problem with like everyone, all the big stars in the league. So it wasn't just only Jordan. It's just oh, like, I might have missed that. Yeah, but I don't think anyone on that team would have gotten along with Isaiah Thomas and. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So fuck him. Yeah, I I don't feel bad for him at all, but uh, did feel a little bad for a Tony Kukoc
0: <laughs> or how or there's so or, many blunders yeah. of his name in this thing. Uh, yeah, that's the last thing I have for for this episode too. And yeah, I kind of felt bad for former Sixer Tony Kukoc. I get it, and I think it it all obviously stems from again the disdain for Jerry Krause. Um, this was clearly a message to him, and not necessarily to Tony, but. You know, just the fact that Jordan and Pippen had to tell the locker room, like, yo, like, he's ours, like, leave him to us is such a goddamn alpha move that, like, it makes... Like, that
1: wasn't the Bulls locker room.
0: Right. That was, like, the
1: 12 best players in the entire league. He's like,
0: nah. Let's take Joel and Hassan Whiteside and say they make an all-star game, which we know Hassan Whiteside will never do again. No.
1: Hypothetically. Hypothetically.
0: And, you know, Embiid goes to the rest of his locker room and says... Like no one else guards him i 'm guarding him he 's mine, and then shuts him down for an entire like all star game one we 'd be screaming because Joel probably plays too much and we 'd be mad about the effort. but so, the social media afterwards would be goddamn just chef 's kiss, delicious, we' want more and more and more. My point to all of this is just the fact that they have to have they have that conversation in a scenario like that and want to send a message like that is it elevates all the conversations about, you know, not only Jordan's greatness, th- that entire team's greatness. Oh, yeah. And Pippen and Rodman and Phil Jackson and so on and so forth. That like these were the mentalities these guys had. And they didn't just talk the talk. Like they oh, walked they the walk. Yeah. They ran the run. They ran the gym and they would fuck guys lives up over it. Just to prove a
1: point. Dude, not even to that guy. And dude, how many uh highlights did they show in that series that we just kept looking at like Okay, they there's totally like six fouls that they would have called in today's NBA. Oh, yeah. Like when you talk about destroying guys' lives, like you're not exaggerating. No, not at all.
0: But it was pretty impressive to, to see Tony Kukoc uh come back. Uh I guess what was that, like a semifinal game or uh a...
1: Well, I think the uh the first time they played was like the initial right, group that's just player, like the, but yeah. no, that was a gold medal game. Oh it was a gold medal. Yeah, the gold yeah, medal game. okay. Game, yeah. oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so you know, uh, you know, put on a show, and obviously went on to have a good NBA career. So, so good for Tony, and again, former Sixer. So, uh, good for him. The sixth episode, I, I didn't really find much interest here. Um, they really harp on the gambling thing, which I take offense to as a guy who also doesn't <laughs> have a gambling would, problem. Yeah. Joe Shan, Joe Shan. But uh, <laughs> we we start off with Horace Grant being a fucking narc. And oh, if the yeah. goggles didn't give it away, <laughs> then this episode did. Because uh, apparently they, there's that uh, the Jordan Rules book that comes out, and the, everyone seems to just believe that Horace Grant was the source of pretty much all of those things, which really seemed to be the first dive into you know, kind of putting a uh, like a dent in the armor of Michael Jordan, who to that point was pretty much perceived as, as like the perfect athlete. He didn't get in trouble with anything. People didn't know about any of his bad habits. Kids are singing the Be Like Mike song. Everybody's drinking Gatorade, eating McDonald's, eating Wheaties, wearing Jordans, you know, so on and so forth. And then, you know, stuff gets out about him in the locker room, about his gambling, whatever, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I know that there are different eras in history, and, you know, the the naivety of those eras varies accordingly. But I don't remember the 90s, albeit, you know, be, being yeah. a lot younger uh, during the time. But I don't remember them being full of sunshine and rainbows and thinking that we lived in some perfect world and, and, and people didn't do shit. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know me and you came from relatively similar situations, so we obviously knew... Things weren't perfect anywhere, but you know, it, it didn't take me very long to realize that most of the people that I looked up to, they they had their vices. Oh yeah. So like, this is what's weird to me is, is I don't recall anybody you know going through the eighties and not and thinking everybody was a perfect gentleman, or going through the, the early nineties thinking everybody was a perfect gentleman, and then all, all of a sudden people are surprised that Jordan likes to smoke a cigar and gamble sometimes. Yeah. Or, so, What's the big fucking deal? Am I crazy? Like, well, I mean, I, I in the eighties,
1: everyone just did coke.
0: Right. Nineties. The, the first episode of this series, and I mean, he talking about how he was the only guy is not it, doing coke in the hotel?
1: Is it really a vice if you just have that much money and you never lose? Like, is that? I mean, well,
0: I mean, it sounds sound like, like you said, he, he had, like he lost quite a bit. So he definitely didn't because remember he didn't lose. have
1: a gambling addiction. He had addiction to competition, competition so. which is the same I mean, thing lawyers. for me as well. <laughs> if, I, if I haven't said that before.
0: That is my official statement. Again, Joe Shan. Not a gambling p- problem. But, yeah, it ain't a problem when you win, baby. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, fuck Horace Grant. Jordan's gambling problem. They go into that, and then we get that 93 finals versus Barkley. I really enjoyed Jordan admitting that it pissed him off that Barkley got the MVP. Yeah. That was probably my, my in, in an episode that, you know, I don't know, may, you know maybe maybe being a gambler you know rubbed me the wrong way a little more than the average person. Just an episode that didn't really have that much that I thought mattered to this whole story. Anyway, uh, I thought they spent way too much time on on the gambling aspect. But regardless of that, you get into the '93 finals part. The, the thing about these is, I, I mean, I even you know growing up during the time and then all the things that I've seen about this team that weren't you know so candid and, and and open. Like I don't remember any of those finals being being terribly interesting. So the fact that they spend like entire episodes on each one in this series, like. You're trying to tell the story, and I get it. But we all know what happened. Like we're not here yeah. to to learn that they won six titles. We're here to find out, like you know what what all went into that final season. And I get that you know this has to do with him why he walked away the first time. And I guess it's kind of the same thing the second time. It's like you know you win three. You're at the point that now it's it's expected that you win. So you're not even like happy that you won. You're relieved you didn't lose. And, you know, that's about to retell itself again, obviously, as he goes on to win a second three-peat. But just just a lot of time spent on this and and not so much, not very many interesting things coming out of it. The only thing, like I said, Jordan admitting that uh, he was upset that Barkley won the MVP. I thought that that was interesting. And he wasn't like a dick about it. But, like, I almost feel like, like, if I'm Charles Barkley, you know, the way that we think of him, then, like, that's a big W for me. That's yeah. something that even oh, though yeah. I didn't beat him in the finals, like I'm holding on to that forever. That like Muggle Jordan is pissed off because I won
1: this award over him.
0: You know, does that make you feel better about never being a, an NBA
1: champion? I don't know. Maybe, but he's got the MVP at least. Yeah. So there's there's that. But I think going back to what you said, it's just you know again we're in an era where you know you got to have content so they're going to throw in all this other stuff and then it wouldn't surprise me if after 10 episodes they decide to do another episode where they have Joel McHale calling up a bunch of people on FaceTime to interview them about the documentary so
0: maybe you know so every week uh you know we're not really keeping necessarily track of it but just kind of doing our own like you know rising and falling from just the episodes that we watch so uh, Steve, I'll let you start since hopefully now you're kind of familiar with what we're looking for here. But, you know, give me a guy or two that you think, you know, one, one or both of these episodes, you know, did something good for their stock or or their like, you know, the way that you perceive them looking back
1: and, and one or two guys that you think took a pretty hard hit from this. So the first one, Horace Grant definitely keeps falling for me and he'll never, ever rebound. No pun intended Two. A little different answer. I would just say the media, just because it's ironic because ESPN being a media company, they were kind of pushing a narrative how the media was just really pushing Jordan's buttons. And, you know, of course, with the fame comes that sort of attention. But with, you know, the, the guy, um, whatever his name, coming out with the book about like the Sam locker room, Sam Smith rooms. or whatever. Yeah, Sam Smith or whatever. And then people just you know trying to come. There's this guy named Slim. You know, with the, the gambling thing, like, did they try to attach him to that because he got accused of some sort of fraudulent scam or whatever? Oh, yeah, it was, like, money
0: laundering. And yeah, just drugs. never
1: trust a guy named Slim, but it just, uh, you know, it just seems like... I do want more Slim content, though. I would watch yeah. that,
0: too. Give that guy a show.
1: I, I feel like that's that would be, like, a good Vice docu-series. I'm sure they can get into that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think they kind of pushed the narrative that just even back then, it's just as as he became, you know... bigger of a star like what you said earlier it's just like you know someone just had to you know knock him down so that way they can get a headline or the attention or just something different out there so
0: yeah uh my my biggest follower is definitely Clyde Drexler yeah Uh, boy like history did not do him any favors
1: here uh I wonder uh, if he's uh, related to uh, LeBron somehow because that hairline like that's bad Like yeah Drexler's definitely the biggest faller,
0: and and the biggest riser is definitely the uh, the Bulls security guard with the white Jerry curl, oh my God, yes. take, taking Jordan's money over and over in a game that I do not understand, but aggressively want to learn and gamble on now. Again, I don't have a problem, but look like fun mainly just because there's money on the line that guy like it's funny because we talked about the first time they 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 introduced like that kind of what were they the, like the jock like, sniffers or whatever yeah the sniffers. Yeah, and we yeah. thought that that was like super weird and we weren't really sure why that was being brought up but again like it kind of makes sense here you kind of go back to it and it kind of ties into uh you talking about the media which i thought was an interesting take in here because when they talk about how jordan took like two weeks off from talking to anybody and came back they showed like newspaper headlines that that did say things some you know along the lines of like you know like these past few weeks have not only told us about Jordan but they've told us about the media or like, something along those lines like it did actually seem like you know what came out of that was obviously you know the media was like was was pushing these things and and pushing for content and a lot of both episodes tonight kind of talked about you know Jordan dealing with that and the fatigue it put on him and obviously that being the reason that you know twice he walks away from it uh during his career and whatnot but it was interesting to me that i i wouldn't have expected at that point so immersed in it and so uh you know not far removed from that situation that there already seemed to be an aware a, a conscious awareness of the impact that the media was having in a negative way yeah the unfortunate part of that is that this you know at that point we're talking ninety three yeah in in this context, and you know now we are twenty seven years later, and the media hasn't learned anything, no. and it's just more of the same so while it did seem like there was some uh some cognizant awareness of it at that point, uh it clearly didn't lead to anything you know worthwhile or or productive or helpful unfortunately, so uh, that was the unfortunate part there. So th- that's a really good pickup by you. Um, that that's all I have for this week's episodes. And I I didn't really see anything about what they're going to do on the next two. Did you?
1: No, but I I I just speculate that maybe it goes you know into his first retirement. And I wonder if they kind of bring up the whole uh, his father's death because then there's a whole conspiracy theories that, that could have been. From the mob or whatever, from gambling debts, so uh, I don't know if they'll touch that, but that's the only other thing left that I could think of besides the last season itself
0: yeah the the two thing i mean I wouldn't expect the, it has appeared to me so far in this that Jordan has a pretty strong grasp of creative control um they're still getting into things that you know obviously you know we we haven't heard much of over you know, his entire life, like things that, that, that not too many people are all that familiar with, but still like a lot of these things do all, all find their way to spinning back pretty positively on him. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I mean, I, you know, I get it. This, this is ultimately about him and, and it's not meant to be like a, uh, you know, like a slander piece, but you know, at the same time, I think that obviously there's a couple situations throughout this series so far where there are other sides to the stories that are, that are not getting voiced, obviously, Uh, you know, because one, they don't have the time, and two, it's not really pertinent to the story they're trying to tell, which is mainly about, you know, that last season, but they are going down all these alleys and and only really, you know, showing you one side of a coin. Yeah. But the other thing is, I'm just wondering, I know this is focused on the Bulls, and again, my, at least my initial understanding was that this is really going to, you know, be heavily focused on that 97-98 season, and to this point i'm not sure we've gotten as much content just around that season as as maybe we, we should have and maybe that's to come but i'm also wondering if we're gonna get any kind of deep dive on that jazz team
1: because yeah, you i figure, would you
0: figure they face them two times in a row mm-hmm. and I, I mean i think uh, maybe i'm wrong uh i don't i don't know what the general perception is but i think that's the most like that's the thing the Bulls are most known for is those last two wins against the jazz. like jazz, I don't yeah. think really people
1: look back to you know the the Phoenix win or the Portland yeah, win. I'm sure all of that and the flu game will each be their own episode, basically,
0: yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> they only have four left, so I mean i don't I don't know how many things are getting individual episodes I'm sure I'm sure the final series with them has to has to be pretty much the last one. Um, or you know nine and ten are going to be the final series, and then you know some of the aftermath maybe. Yeah, uh, which makes me think that like at this point, I feel like they're kind of running out of time. At this point, I think what they left us tonight mentioning that they opened up the first round in that in that last year against the Nets. Uh, they didn't really touch on the series at all, so I guess that's coming in the next episode. Yeah. And how much further than that they go, I don't know. With four episodes, and you figure what well, there's going to be three playoff rounds on a finals yeah um but I think there's still a lot to tell um, oh yeah I'm still excited for it i am I've been incredibly impressed with this whole series so far um you know especially you know <laughs> for the for the times we're in uh it's a blessing to have this available to us right now again I think what well, this wasn't meant until like June or July right Probably like a post nBA right. finals uh you know kindly kind of ride that wave so uh fortunate to have that a- ahead of us. Uh, so, next week, episodes seven and eight, and then nine and ten, and then we're all done. So, uh, we'll be here to recap each of the next two episodes, uh, weekends worth of episodes, uh, as well as any Sixers news or anything else that we can come up with. Again, we got Powerbombs and Potables, new to our network, recapping the past week in pro wrestling every week for you, featuring our friend Corey, and uh, you know, occasionally one or both of us, or, or in the future, hopefully getting some other knowledgeable uh, wrestling guests to come on and, and, and appear and chime in with their two cents, uh, whether that be about a specific show or a match or uh, you know uh, breaking news or anything like that. So really excited to have that and uh, have been in the works for a while now, getting the Pucks and Potables uh, podcast going as well uh, with hosts Mike and Mason. And uh, we should have the website updated soon. Uh, should have content coming from them as well as continuing with process
1: potables with
0: Steve and I. Steve, any uh, any uh, part- parting shots or anything?
1: I just hope the the way the series ends, final episode, we get a post credit scene like in, in the Marvel movies, and it's just like <laughs> a flash of Jordan's Wizards jersey, and they say, "Come in twenty twenty one, the last dance, we dance again." Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: It sounds like it sounds like a uh, like a Ben Stiller movie
1: waiting right. to be made. Uh okay, great. <laughs> um Hey, Hollywood has a, has a tendency to to, to make sequels money? that they shouldn't do. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm just saying M- we'll money talks, it, maybe. You know? Yeah.
0: Um again, please if you if you have a minute, Apple Podcasts go give us a five-star rating, uh write a review. We currently sit at 96, so four away from 100. Uh, We've been aiming for 100 for a long time and are very excited to finally get there. So, appreciate everybody for listening, for subscribing, for checking the Apple Podcasts out. Um, Shout out to our sponsors. Shout out Underground Sports Philadelphia, everybody. Uh, Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Get through the week and trust the podcast.